Date Day, recording on a Saturday. I am Colby Daniels along with Will Brewer. Will, my friend, a lot to get to. We've got to review UFC 272 from last Saturday night. We have a, an awesome loaded fight night card here on this Saturday. A lot to discuss. How are you, my friend? Good, man. You know, these fight these fight nights all through the month of March, starting with 272, ending with uh, the fight card on the 26th, man. These fight cards are absolutely stacked. And I didn't even think that they were going to be stacked like this, but for fight nights, bruh, these are legit. Yeah, it's, you know, we're still in the early part of 2022, and there have been some fight cards that while uh, they've been wildly entertaining, right? I don't think we've seen a bad fight card this year. Um, I, I think in terms of maybe the more notable names in the sport, some of the more um, hyped fighters, uh, we're kind of getting to the point where a lot of those those people are ending up on the same cards. And you're right. I mean, this month is is absolutely loaded. And uh, I, I can't wait for this fight card tonight. Like, I think this is legit from start to finish. An awesome fight card in general. And it's it's a fight night card. So uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, so take me back to Saturday night and, and kind of how you felt as uh, we finally got to the start of the UFC 272 card. We, we talked about this for a couple weeks. Last Saturday was my anniversary. So... I haven't had a chance to even go back and watch the prelims or the majority of the main card, but uh, it it worked out perfectly. Where like by the time we got done celebrating and everything we did and the you know dinner and everything, like I got back and I was able to see literally the end of Bryce Mitchell getting the win, and then the co-main event in its entirety, the main event in its entirety. I missed everything up to that point, so at least I can speak on those. But uh, um, I, a lot of mixed reviews of the fight card, um, at least based on what I've read on Twitter. Man, there was a there was a lot of decisions. The uh, the finishes came few and far between, but I felt like we saw some really good performances. Like just uh, touched up on some of the prelims. I mean, uh, first I gotta start with Marina Rodriguez and Jan Shaunan. That was a outstanding fight, very close. Uh, like I said, I, that's a fight that I wanted to see on the main card, and it absolutely delivered. Uh, Marina Rodriguez won by the skin of her teeth. I gave her the decision, but it was really close. I wouldn't have been mad if Jan Shaunan got that uh, got that win. Uh, Jalen Turner beats Jamie Malarkey in the uh, in the second round, finishes him with punches. Man, he looked outstanding. When you're six foot three, you fighting at one fifty five, you're gonna uh, give a lot of people problems. Um, uh, I think her name is Marina Mor- Morose uh, from the Ukraine. She had a really good finish, and uh, she spoke about some of the things that's going on in Ukraine right now. Uh, I couldn't imagine what's all going on with her, uh, but she was able to go out there and get a submission win. But man. Uh, once again, another 135er looking incredible. Uh, Umar Nurmagomedov, who is a uh, family of Khabib, he goes out there, submits Brian Callagher in the first round. Crazy. Uh, Tim Elliott looked great. Uh, Dustin Jacoby in the first fight of the night. You know, everyone was kind of upset that he was the first fight on, of the night. Uh, but he looked great. Uh, I think it's t- about time for him to get a top 15 guy. And then just to you know, touch up on some of the main card fights, the, the, the ones that you didn't see. Uh, Sergey Spivak makes quick work of Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy's the last fight of his contract. I mean, he's gotten finished in his last few fights, man. I, I think it might be a, it might be done for him. And then uh, Kevin Kevin Holland over uh, Cowboy Oliveira, man. Uh, Kevin Holland. I felt like he it took him a little bit to get used to the speed of the uh, of someone like Cowboy Oliveira, who's who, who's really quick. Uh, he's fighting at one seventy. He got taken down. Uh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the the picture of him with his thumbs up at the end of the round because he was in a Okay, well, he was in a he was caught in a uh, in a rear naked choke kinda, and uh, he gave a thumbs up like I'm good, like don't don't nobody trip. But like I think he might have gave up that first round, but uh, in the second round he just came out and showed like why he's going to be a problem in this division. So uh, Kevin Holland looked great, and then of course you saw all the rest. 
Yeah, um, a lot to unpack there. I, I, I will say of the Greg Hardy situation, I don't know that he'll be done. If it were anybody else, maybe. But Greg Hardy's been on pay-per-view main event card after main event card, not because he's a great heavyweight, but because he's a draw, right? Like, it, I, 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 I still feel like there's a, a level of interest in Greg Hardy fighting, despite maybe kind of piling up the L's. So, um, I, I, my guess is he, he stays. I, I don't think they're going to let him go yet. I, I think there's still enough uh, box office draw, if you will, with his name to, to keep him out there. But uh, Kevin Holland, I felt like, and you can speak to this, I felt like we were going to see um, a, a power discrepancy with him fighting at 170. Uh, and look, there are times that you can see him, you know, rock people at 185. Uh, was that the case when he was able to connect? Um. Well, I felt like he didn't really try to force the issue in the first round. I felt like uh, he was kind of playing towards uh, Cowboy Oliveira's game. I think Cowboy Oliveira was throwing him different looks, uh, kind of, you know, Cowboy is more of a brawler, and I felt like he was fighting more strategically, okay. uh, kind of, uh, it was kind of a technical fight, and I don't think Kevin Holland was prepared for that. I think he was prepared to uh, to counter. I don't think he was prepared to be the guy that was leading the dance. So I think I kind of threw him for a loop, but in the second round, he just said, fuck it, and I'm, I'm going to go after this guy. And once he landed, the power show. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Dustin Jacoby. He's he's now five and zero since uh, he won his contender series fight in twenty twenty. And you're right, he had the one, uh, I, I guess five zero and one, right? If you want to call the the draw a, a tie, five zero and one since he won his twenty twenty contender series fight and, and re-entered the UFC. I, I'm with you. I think his skill set is is super interesting, and it's time for him to get a, another big opportunity. Uh, Jalen Turner's a prospect that's been hyped, uh, so it's good to see him get that win and, and hopefully uh, see him get some uh, big-time competition coming up in what is a stacked 155 division. And then, uh, basically, I heard that uh, Marina, Jan Shaunan, I mean, flip a coin. It could have gone either way. It was that close. So, Yeah. But flip a coin. I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if Jan got that decision. I mean, yeah. they definitely left it out there. They knew that uh, the, the magnitude of the fight, uh, whoever was going to win this fight, is right there for the title shot. So they definitely went out there and delivered. So if you're listening to this and we're talking UFC 272, you're probably saying, come on, talk about Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, we will get to it. I'm, I'm going to pause just a little longer before we get to the main event. Um, will Bryce Mitchell, Edson Barboza, this was the one fight on this card where we made our picks and we disagreed on. Uh, I just felt like Bryce Mitchell's uh, wrestling and ground game was going to be the difference here. And, and um, you know, again, to me, it was just a matter of, did I see Edson Barbosa being able to prevent the takedowns throughout the course of this fight? And ultimately, I lean more toward Bryce Mitchell being able to to get him on the canvas. Um, again, I didn't see the whole fight. I saw literally the very end. But uh, it kind of sounds like, once again, Bryce Mitchell did what he, we've we've seen him do over and over and over. And, you know, a lot like uh, maybe like Marab, one division down, or maybe like Islam, <laughs> one division up. When you look at that top 10 his style is kind of the outlier in that division. And there doesn't really, I mean, there doesn't really seem to be anybody else like him in the top 10 within his division. Um, I guess you can make the case for Aljo, obviously, and Marab at 135. But I mean, in, at 145, it's just Bryce Mitchell. At 155, it's just Islam as far as uh, being that kind of problem against a bunch of guys that are insane stand up war type of guys. Uh, Bryce Mitchell is staking his claim to making a run at UFC gold in the 145 division. Well, let me just tell you about how this fight started, man. Uh, so, I, you know, I said uh, last week that I thought the leg kicks were going were gonna to be a problem. Uh, he's going to chop them up, and uh, I didn't think he's going to be able to get him down. You know, when the fight started, Edson was doing a good job of moving, and he was really chopping his legs up. 
And Bryce wasn't really even attempting any takedowns. And I was a little surprised by that. I was I was really surprised by that. But Bryce Mitchell landed this. I don't remember if it was a left hook or a right hook, but he landed something and it dropped Edson and it changed the whole fight. He landed it, dropped him, and then all of a sudden it's right to the wrestling. And then from that point on, it was a Bryce Mitchell domination uh, from, from that point, man. It, it, it was crazy. And Edson had no answer. And whenever Bryce shot in, I mean, there was just, there was no answer. I was pretty surprised. I thought Edson was going to be, you know, Edson being the bigger guy. I'm sure like on fight day, he was probably bigger than Bryce Mitchell. And even uh, looking at them, you could see that, that Edson was bigger. But Bryce, man, Bryce is very strong and was able to control him. And it was, you know, you, you had scorecards of 30-25, 30-26. You know, I could see 30-26 th- uh, for sure. But, yeah, Bryce Mitchell is a problem. He's one of those – he's the boogeyman of the division right now, man. Like, he's that guy like the Marab, like the Islam, like the Hamza, that no one's really trying to fight. So, yeah, Bryce is definitely a problem in that, in that division. Yeah, I mean, we, we had this conversation like two weeks ago. I mean, from Volk to Max Holloway to Ortega to Yair to Korean Zombie, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett, uh, Giga Chikadze, Dan Ige, the guy that Bryce Mitchell just fought, Edson Barboza, Shane Burgos. Like, that division is full of guys that we've seen in awesome stand-up wars. Um, and, and then there's Bryce Mitchell, right? Like, the the complete outlier of the division that that I think is really interesting. I will be... Really curious to see what his next matchup looks like and and who wants to take that on, right? Not to say that uh, there aren't guys that that could beat him, but stylistically, nobody does what he does. And and we've seen this in a lot of other divisions. A lot of times, I think uh, guys at the top of the division or guys that have a a higher rank don't necessarily want to take on stylistically a guy like that that also sits behind them in the rankings. So um, Bryce Mitchell may be running into a problem now where nobody's too eager to take him on. Yeah, I mean, you said it when you when you read off those list of names, all those guys are, are stand up war guys. I mean, there's not really anybody who really even indulges in grappling like that. I mean, uh, you know, Ortega's the jujitsu guy, and like you know, Volk will take people down here and there. But for the most part, these guys are gonna stand and bang. Like Bryce Mitchell, I think for the first two minutes or however long it was before he dropped Edson, I think he was trying to show like I'll stand. But I know what my what my strength is. I'm not going to go away from my strength. But he showed, like, I got power. I, I dropped him. And now I'm just going to go and dominate him. So, uh, yeah, Bryce Mitchell, he's going to run into some problems, especially now because he's, like, in a in a gray area. You know, he's it's not like he's in title contention, but it's not like he's, like, a, a prospect anymore. Like, he's, yeah. right in, he's right in between. And then you have a lot of guys like the Caters and the um, – and the Josh Emmett's who are like on the cusp of a title shot. And like, are they really going to want to fight a guy like Bryce Mitchell who's in that gray area? So, yeah, you're right. Bryce Mitchell's going to run into a lot of problems trying to get a next fight. Yeah, it'll be really cu- – I'm just really curious to see how that plays out. And, uh, yeah, I-, I hope we see Bryce Mitchell back in there relatively soon. But uh, my guess is there's uh, there's probably going to be a-, a little bit of an issue trying to matchmake for Bryce Mitchell going forward in, in the featherweight division. The co-main event was RDA getting the um, unanimous decision over Renato Moicano, who entered this fight on short notice. We just saw Moicano in Texas, right, a couple weeks ago. He was in the post-fight uh, interview talking about getting the big check because everything's bigger in Texas. He takes this on short notice. I thought, uh, obviously, the, I mean, the fans, um, I, I think, appreciated Moicano's toughness displayed over the course of 25 minutes. I appreciated the fact that... Uh, 
Mark Goddard gave him the opportunity to fight back and continue the fight. You know, he, he basically said, you've got 30 seconds, either fight back or I'm, I'm calling this. I, I appreciated that he gave him that opportunity as opposed to just saying it's over, right? And, and you, you have the chance to either say, I'm going to go uh, make this a fight or I'm not going to do anything. And then Mark, Mark Goddard does what, what he should have done. But uh, yeah, I like the fact that he let it go and gave him that opportunity. And we saw Moicano uh, make the most of it. Um, RDA gets a dominant win, right? I mean, I think it was a really impressive performance for him. And uh, I, I'm curious to see also for him what's next at 155. But your thoughts on the co-main event? Man, you know, RDA went in there and did what he what he had to do. Um, I don't think he was overly uh, searching for a finish. Uh, I think he was trying to, you know, add up some octagon time. And then eventually, I think towards the championship rounds, I think he... I think he knew Morcano was really beat up, and I knew he that, uh, and he knew that Morcano was really, really tough, and that he wasn't going to give in. So I kind of think he, he let us fill off the gas for a little bit. And uh, you know, Morcano, I think he won the fifth round, but I think you know a lot of those like third and the fourth, you can make a case for ten eights. You know, RDA just kind of had his way with him. Uh, Morcano was really tough, but you know, this is a short notice. You know, he literally flies in from Brazil. Uh, you know, however long of a flight that is from Brazil into Vegas. Uh, and then cuts weight, you know, I, I didn't really see this going pretty particularly well for him. I thought, you know, maybe in the first round, maybe we would see when kind of kind of just, you know, put up, throw all the tips to the table and just try to land something big. But, you know, RDA is tough. RDA, uh, former champion. He had a, a three title defense reign as, as champion. So uh, he's tough, man. And for him to come back down to 155, he's he's a player in this division. Uh, but, you know, as far as what's next for him, uh I mean, with, with Islam maybe fighting Benil and then, you know, Michael Chandler fighting Tony and then Connor's like not around, you know, RDS kind of in a, in a gray area himself. Like there's like not really anybody available for him to fight, like anybody of true relevance outside of maybe Vizieve. But he said that he's, you know, not really trying to fight him anymore because the fights have been, you know, prolonged or changed or whatever. I, I think he's done with that. So RDS kind of in a gray area himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I somewhat struggle to figure out like where I kind of want to like put him in that division. Like, I don't think he's in the Gaethje, uh, Chandler, Oliveira, Islam level maybe, but, uh, I mean the name alone, I think warrants, uh, respect in terms of his next opponent. And he's two and O with wins over Felder and Moicano now, uh, since he came back to the lightweight division, maybe Benil Dariush is, uh, is, is the next best option. If you're not going to get the Islam fight to ever take place. And if, uh, if Islam and, and Benil Dariush don't uh, try and, and work that thing out, I mean, that's the only one to me that makes sense. But I almost feel like RDA's somewhat in like no man's land in that division. Right. It's kind right. of a, an interesting uh, situation there. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of hard to gauge like exactly where he's at because he's fought Paul Felder on literal day's notice. Yeah. He's fought Moicado on literal day's notice. So like we don't know. Like we know his name. We know how good he was at 170. We know he's a former lightweight champion. But at this point. We, he's winning fights that he should absolutely win. He's got a considerable advantage over these guys who are coming in on day's notice. So he's he needs to, and it's not his fault. I mean, he's just right, right. he's just fighting like he's he's around, but he's at a point now where we we really need to see him fight one of these guys in the top five or whatever, just to see like where he's at. I mean, I don't know what his ranking is now, but the only guys who are truly ahead of him are these guys that we're that we're talking about. So if it were me, you know, they, they're saying that Benil had like a uh, like a, a femur issue or, or, or some, I think it's a serious injury that's going to take some time. I don't think okay. like they're talking about Islam and Benil fighting in like June or July or something. I feel like that's a little soon for a, for a leg injury like that. So I would want Benil to take the time okay. to, to, to properly heal. 
And I think you do uh, RDA and Islam. I mean, I think the story's there. Uh, you know, Khabib once fought RDA back in the day and beat him. You know, now they've they've have they've had RDA and Islam fight or uh, scheduled to fight, and it's not really came to fruition. And then you know, Islam played like he was going to step in, and then steps back out like on last minute's notice. Like, I think that's the fight. But Dana's like, I want Islam and Benil, and of course for obvious reasons because you know Benil's like that stylish matchup that that could give Islam some true problems. But if it were me, let Benil uh, heal up and let's see RDA and Islam. Does RDA have a win over anybody currently? In the top fifteen of the lightweight division, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, who's Oliver? Nope, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, like I said, for me, it's kind of tough to figure out like where I put him in that division. And, and look to that point, I mean, looking at the top fifteen, the only top fifteen win for Islam, who I, I feel like is uh, the champion in waiting in that division. I mean, I, to that point, he his only win is over Sarukian, right? of yeah, all the ranked right. fighters in that division. It's kind of an interesting situation uh, where, uh, I mean, if you want to say, like, we've heard a lot of conversations, I think, this week at 170, right, with Kamaru Usman and who might be deserving of what. And, and you know, I, I think everybody wants to see Hamza Chimaev, like, move up the ladder. And Usman's like, he needs a couple more fights. He doesn't have any fights over, like, the, the big-time guys in this division. Well, I mean, you can say the same thing about uh, RDA and Islam at 155. Absolutely. Combined one win over everybody that's currently ranked in that division. Yeah, and and you know, Islam is saying, and he might be right. Like, he might not even need to fight any of these guys in the top fifteen because the same thing's going to happen to all of them. Sure, like that might that might be true, but at least for him to have that on his resume, yeah, uh, that would really warrant him getting a title shot. I mean, now, I mean, the only top fifteen guy is Sarukian, who's ranked towards the bottom, and. He hasn't fought any top five guys. And, you know, RDA, he had, he's, he's been begging. I mean, Felder was ranked at the time, but, you know, Felder had one foot in, one foot out, and it was on literal last minute snow. He was training he for, like, an Ironman competition or something, right, at the time. Right, yeah. Like, you know, Felder wasn't, you know, it, it, I mean, he knew that he could make the weight. I think that's why he took it. And, you know, he was generally in shape. But, like, you know, there's a difference between being in triathlon shape or whatever yeah. and, and in fight shape. So, you know, and then Makano comes in. Oh, sure, he had a fight, uh, pre, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. But you know, he's not in peak condition for the for these for a five round war with a guy like RDA. So RDA needs to get back in there. Islam needs to get back in there. I, I think both guys uh, would really benefit from fighting each other. To really, we would really see where both guys are at. Uh, I think that's the way to go, man. And then you know, Benil's trying to rush back. I don't think that's a good idea, man. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, sign me up for these guys finally fighting, especially after uh, we kind of had the Twitter war uh, last week. And then we find out that Islam ends up pulling out like I'm in. I-, I will say this, though, like I'm not sure how I feel about RDA in comparison to the elite guys in this division. Um, and he's unproven in terms of this current top 15, as is Islam. But I absolutely feel confident about what I, I think Islam is and will be. Uh, same thing with Chimaev at 170. Like, I don't know that I need to see him beat three or four elite one elite welterweights to feel like he is the best possible matchup for Kamaru Usman. Um, I, I feel like Chimaev is the best possible matchup in the welterweight division, despite maybe not having proven it. I feel like Islam is the best possible matchup at lightweight, despite having not proven it. RDA hasn't proved it against the current top 15, but that's the one that I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't feel nearly as confidently about where he ranks as opposed to the other guys. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you want to say, like, if you use the logic for RDA, you've got to use that for the other guys as well. So um, I, I totally get the conversation against those guys having the opportunity at the same time. Um, all right, the, co the, the main event will... Um, I don't know anybody that enjoyed watching this fight, <laughs> right? Like, this is one of those fights. The reason it sells so well is because it brings in all the quote-unquote casuals, right? I mean, it's yeah. Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, they're huge names, and if you're not somebody that watches the UFC every week, um, those are two of the names that you absolutely know, so you're watching the fight. I think most of those type of people, again, they're casual MMA fans. They're not MMA fans, so they like part of the sport, but they don't fully embrace all the elements of the sport, and I think that's why a lot of people don't enjoy a fight like this. Yeah, you know, the casuals, they know Masvidal as the guy that landed that flying knee on Ben Askren. They, they know him as the guy who, who fought Nate Diaz at MSG. You know, uh, of course, they're going to tune in to watch him fight Usman. So he came in on six days notice to fight Usman. But then we saw him get knocked out cold. So, like, for the casuals, Masvidal is still a big draw. People are still going to tune in to watch him fight. But, I mean, we as hardcore fans, we knew what this fight was. Like, the, the odds was kind of uh, – was – representing what we how we felt about it masvidal is, was a huge underdog covington is is probably the second best welterweight in the world outside of uh kamaru usman uh we knew like stylistically this was not a good matchup for masvidal we knew he had a punch a, pretty much a puncher's chance to win uh you want to respect masvidal because of his uh because of his quickness on the feet and uh you know how long he's been doing this you know he's fought a lot of tough guys and and done really well but um you know kobe's just kobe's just good man i mean for all the shit talk that you hear and all the the crazy antics like Kobe Covington is a is a savage when he gets out there in the, in the cage and, and he doesn't bring in that that uh the build he doesn't bring that into the octagon with him the character yeah he doesn't bring that yeah. into the octagon with him the character stays on the microphone and it's a completely different guy once he gets inside the octagon we talked about this for two weeks man like zero part of me felt like this was going to be like I was conflicted about who was going to win that that fight. And that's not right. to say that Jorge didn't have a chance, because obviously a guy like that can always land the big shot. And we saw him rock Colby. What was it at the end of the fourth? Um, right. He always has that chance to win a fight simply because he could win a fight with one big shot. So so there's always that possibility, that path to victory for him to to have his hand raised simply because he's he's one shot away from always ending a fight. But other than that, like, bro, this fight 100% went exactly the way I thought it was going to. Like, nothing that happened over the course of 25 minutes surprised me whatsoever. This was exactly what I thought it was going to be. And at the end of the 25 minutes, I was like, okay, that's what I thought was going to happen. That was what happened. Colby Covington dominated because this is stylistically a matchup nightmare for Masvidal. I felt like we were probably going to see Masvidal land a couple of big shots throughout this fight, which he did. But if he doesn't end the fight with one of those big shots... He's not winning this fight. He's not controlling this fight. Uh, I mean, literally, no part of this should have been a surprise to anybody. And and like I said last week, like my my biggest intrigue with this fight was because the fact that there's a real rivalry there and these guys don't like each other. Like, would we see these guys let emotion get the best of them, which might result in an unexpected type of fight? But if these guys were able to keep that on the outside and go in and fight this fight without the, you know, I need to do something different because I don't like this guy. This was always the way this fight was going to go. Absolutely. Yeah, there was, I mean, you take away all the emotion and everything. You just put these guys in an MMA fight. I feel like nine times out of 10, this is how it goes. Uh, you know, Kobe, uh, his pace, 
and and I feel like his pace has really uh, went down from when he was fighting at ATT. I feel like he's been fighting more defensively, more patient in the first two rounds. And then, like, it just seems like that third round, he's like, okay, I see how he's going to fight him. It's kind of like Peter Yan, right? So Peter Yan just uses the first round. He kind of gives that round away just to see how the guys are going to fight him. And then he turns it up as the rounds go on. I feel like Kobe uses the first two rounds to kind of, you know, kind of chill out, kind of see how the guy's going to fight him. And then the the third, fourth, and fifth round, he's going to put the pressure on him and just really pick up the pace. Um, I really felt like Masvidal, and I, I might be completely off on this, but I felt I feel like Masvidal tried to try to add weight, not and I don't even necessarily know if it was good weight, but I I didn't really like how he looked on fight day. I kind of felt like he looked a little more chubby than usual. I felt like he wanted to be bigger so that Kobe would have a tougher time taking him down. Uh, but I think really his gas tank was really affected by that. Um, I didn't like how Masvidal looked at all. Um, you know he, he he was able to land in the fourth round uh, that big shot, but. Uh, and he landed some good kicks, but, you know, Kobe's pace, you know, yeah. the takedowns. I felt like Masvidal wasn't really able to open up because he was so worried about the about the takedown. That, that's what we see in a normal striker versus a grappler fight. You know, the, the striker's not yeah. really wanting to open up because they're wanting to prepare to to defend the takedown. And that's why you see a guy like Khabib rock Conor McGregor because he fakes a takedown and Conor's going to, oh, I need to, you know, defend. And then Conor rocks or, uh, Khabib rock Conor. So it's kind of that, that same uh, thing. Uh, Kobe knows. When he's striking, you know, he can kind of be a little wild a little bit, um, but, you know, not not too much because that's what gets you caught. That's what happened in the fourth round. Kobe was kind of opening up a little bit and then Jorge countered him. But I mean, outside of that, man, Kobe knows like I can get this fight to the ground whenever I want. Uh, my gas tank is considerably better than his. Um, I, I expected I expected it to go to a decision. And that's what we saw. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we we both, I think, felt like this was going to be a, a, a dominant Kobe Covington decision. And. Look, I'll say this. I, I, what you said about Masvidal, I think, is is valid. That's a very real possibility in terms of what his mindset was. But my thing is, like, does it even matter? Like, even if he came in looking great, like, again, stylistically, this is just a problematic matchup for Masvidal. I mean, at the end of the day, to me, this is less about Masvidal and, and the way that he showed up or anything like that. This is completely on what Colby Covington brings to the table and how stylistically, unless Masvidal lands a big shot, there's not really an answer for it. <laughs> Right, you know, and I think he um, he kind of uh, said this in the in the post fight presser, like uh, when they asked him, like, what would you uh, wanted to do different? Like, what do you think could have gone differently? He's and he said, I would have went to college, I would have wrestled. Like, you know, some of those things that Kobe can do, like that's just like years and years yeah. and years of grappling and wrestling at the at the highest level, junior college wrestling. Um, uh, I forget if he was Division One or Division Two, but uh, wrestling and co- wrestling at at those. I think levels, he was at like, Oregon State, right? That's right, Oregon State. Yeah. yeah. So, um, wrestling at those levels, uh, just it just helps him when he gets into the into the MMA cage. Like he, it just it's all natural. It, the strength, muscle memory. Like you can't you can't train with Bo Nickel for for two months or however long you can train with him and just like make up for all that time that Kobe's been wrestling. I mean, yeah. and you can't put on that weight. Like Kobe's wrestled bigger guys, and you know there, there there's literally nothing that Jorge can do. I mean, there were things that he could try, like coming in bigger training with Bo Nickel but that's not gonna that's not gonna uh that's not gonna be enough uh to to mess with Kobe so uh we saw we saw what we saw man I mean that's what for us hardcore fans it we weren't surprised maybe the the casuals are like man I thought Masvidal was gonna knock his ass out like yeah ah man like Kobe's too good for that man 
It's it's funny that we have to like kind of like call it hardcore fans versus casuals to appreciate a fight like this. Like really what it should be, Will, is it should be fans versus non-fans. Because the reality is exactly. if you don't like that kind of fight, then you're not really an MMA fan. That means you're a boxing or a kickboxing fan. You're not an MMA fan. Like that's what MMA is. That fight right. is what MMA is. If you if you only want to see stand-up, then you're not an MMA fan. You're a boxing fan or you're a kickboxing fan. So, like, this idea that you're going to watch a fight like that and say that it sucked or say that it's boring, like, okay, fair enough. That it, like, I, I'm not going to dispute that if you don't think that's visually pleasing, that's fine. That's your opinion. But you're not an MMA fan if that's your perspective on a fight like this. I, I thought it was entertaining. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be. Uh, but, like, there, there are you have to look at this from the perspective of if you're Colby Covington, you can easily win this fight by doing exactly what he did. If you're Colby Covington... Why would you stand up with Jorge Masvidal for 25 minutes? You saw him get rocked at the end of the fourth. Why would you put yourself at risk like that for 25 minutes when you could cruise to a victory? That would be like the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA showing up to a game and just saying, hey, because the fans want to see us shoot threes, we're going to do nothing but shoot threes for the entire game despite the fact that we suck at it. Or, like, imagine a football game where you have a quarterback that can't throw the ball over 10 yards and you decide we're just going to throw go routes the entire ball game. We're going to throw Hail Marys the whole game with like Tim Tebow, right? Who can't throw the ball very well. Like it, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. He did what he should have done. He, he fought the smart fight to get an easy win, which it, it was easy. He dominated that entire fight. And if you don't appreciate that, that's fine. But you're not an MMA fan. If you don't appreciate that, you're a you're a boxing fan, which is not a big deal. That like that's fine. You're a boxing fan though, or you're a kickboxing fan. You're just not an MMA fan. That's the reality. Like you, you look. Was Justin Gaethje, Michael Chandler, more entertaining than Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal? Of course it was. Like I'm not disputing Absolutely. that. Like the vis visually, the stand up wars are more pleasing to the eyes than a fight like that. But this isn't just boxing or kickboxing. Like you have to appreciate all the elements that are brought to the octagon and why some of these fights unfold the way that they do you know I, I would like to ask some of these fans who were like oh this fight's boring oh my gosh you know who have the, the problem with these MMA fights that, that end up like this so put yourself in those guys shoes and if you if you win you get your whole fight purse if you lose you get half of it yeah so what would you do yeah. would you want to win the fight or would you want to please the fans I guarantee you 100% of the of the people that I ask would say I don't want to win. I don't want to get my full my full paycheck. I would not want to risk getting just half of my paycheck and only provide getting to provide half of that paycheck to my family instead of uh catering to the audience. Yeah. Kobe Covington is just doing what he has to do to get his money. Of course we saw we know he's not getting pay-per-view. So he has to win this fight to get you know his whole his whole fight first. And then of course they won the fight of the night. Which I don't really know how, but you know, yeah. I, mean, I guess it kind, of, it kind of spoke to the fights on the card. But I definitely think the Marina Rodriguez Josh fight could have won fight of the night. But but I digress. Um, they won fight of the night, and you know, Jorge made well over a million dollars. I think Colby was at like seven hundred thousand. But you know, if he doesn't win that fight, he couldn't. He could only walk away with like four hundred thousand. Yeah. You know why? Why not? Why not walk away with your full fight purse when you know that you are clearly better than this guy? considerably considerably better than this guy in in an area that you that you've done your whole life like he's wrestled his entire yeah. life Jorge there's nothing that Jorge can do to make make up that ground so like 
if I if I'm a fighter and I know I have an advantage, I'm going to take that advantage so I can win. Yeah. It's about winning. At the end of the day, it's about winning and getting paid. It's not about catering to the audience. No matter what Dana White says about about you know these fighters being boring or whatever, it's about winning and uh, and making all your money. That that's all this is about. Yeah, and look, if you can win in a style that's pleasing to the majority of the fan base, then that's probably what separates the superstars of the sport from the guys that are just really good and, and maybe not appreciated to the full degree. I totally get that. Uh, there's a level of showmanship to this sport that that is there and is a factor in terms of like the opportunities you're going to get. Like We're not disputing that for the same reason that Conor McGregor might get a 155 title shot. Like There is a level of showmanship and sellability that plays a role in, in this sport. But, like Will, if, if you walk into the gym tomorrow... And I say, I'm going to give you $100 for making a three-pointer. And if you miss it, you're only going to get 50. You're right-handed. And if, I, and if I'm like, hey, I want to see you shoot it left-handed. Like, are you going to shoot it left-handed just because I want to see that? Or are you going to shoot it right-handed where you have a better chance to make it? Like, Right. <laughs> I, I know that's like a, 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 a little bit of a stretch from what we're talking about here, but it's, it's the same concept. Like, why would you yeah. go shoot a left-handed three-pointer just because other people want to see it? when shooting the right-handed three-pointer, which is what you do, gives you the much greater opportunity. Oh, you want me to shoot a left-handed three? Shoot. Yeah, okay. of course. Nah, I'll, like, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll sacrifice maybe not making the, the amount of money you want to pay me for, for shooting this shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, would, would I have preferred to see Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal stand in the middle of the octagon for 25 minutes total and just swing for the fences? Of course I would. Like, I'm not disputing that. These guys hate each other. I would have loved to see like a rock'em sock'em robot type of fight. Yes, I'm I'm in on that. Like I'm not saying that I don't. I I wouldn't have loved to seen that. But I also appreciate this sport for what it is, and I don't expect that every single time guys take the the octagon and have that cage locked, and it's you and somebody else that's literally trying to take your head off. That you're just gonna open yourself up to take big shots and get rocked over and over. Like at the end of the day, it's a fight. It's about preventing the other guy from damaging you and you getting the win. And, like, I heard somebody say that wasn't even a real fight. If those guys met in the street and got into a real fight, what do you think is going to happen? Colby Covington is going to wrestle his ass to the ground and prevent Jorge Masvidal from, from hitting him. It's going to go exactly the way that that went. Like, that's exactly what a real fight would look like between those guys. Colby Covington's not going to just stand there and let Masvidal try and fight him in an alley and punch and kick him. Colby's right. going to do exactly what he did in the octagon. He's going to take his ass down, and he's going to smother him and not ever allow Jorge to hit him. And, you know, it might be easier for him to get him down uh, in the street because Jorge is going to be swinging at him wild and he's just going <laughs> to go at his legs. Like, I feel like it'll just be uh, a lot easier. But, you know, I have I have a few friends who I'm in a group message with and, you know, we talk about MMA and uh, they watch the presser. I, I feel like, of course, I'm the hardcore fan of the group. And then I feel like they're like uh, they're right on the cusp of becoming hardcore, but they're still casual. And I can tell that they're still casuals because. um they were watching the presser. One of, one of, one of them was watching the presser. They were like, whoa, these, these guys are going to stand and bang. Like, this is going to be a war. And I said, Kobe's going Kobe's gonna to take him down. Like, Kobe's going to wrestle him. Yeah. And then he was like, did you watch the presser? I was like, yes, I watched the presser. Kobe's going yeah. <laughs> to wrestle like, there was nothing from the press conference and all this build-up that made me think that Kobe wasn't going to wrestle him. Dude, I, I like, mean, we talked about what we want, <laughs> like, being really curious to see what, what persona Kobe Covington threw out there in the presser. Like, if we had saw a different version of Colby, then I might have entertained the idea that he was going to stand and bang. We saw Colby do what he always does. He was in character. That, to me, was like, okay, he's not changing anything 
with this fight because of like who the opponent is or any of the like actual real bad intentions these guys have for one another. He was still in character. He was still being Colby Covington that's selling fights. Like when I saw the presser, I was like, yeah, Colby's not going to stand and bang. He's going to wrestle. Like if he had yeah. been a different version of himself, I might have entertained that maybe he was going to change the fighting style. But when when he showed up and, and was what he always is, I was like, he's going to wrestle him the entire way. No doubt in my mind. Yeah, and I definitely felt like Masvidal was the one because you know Masvidal's not in character. Masvidal is who he is. Yeah, uh, I felt like Masvidal was the one who was showing all the emotion. You know, he they were just they were it was kind of just like little girls, you know, arguing over something. They're just like fighting and you know talking over each other. You know, it, I didn't get anything from that presser uh, that made me think like, oh man, like this fight's gonna be wild. I was yeah. just like, nah, you know, Kobe's gonna wrestle him. Yeah, uh, you know, and then in the fight, we saw what we saw. I mean, it was just a clear. Uh, Kobe Covington advantage in the wrestling and it, it showed somebody told me um, a, a friend of mine that I was I was talking to about this fight he said uh, it's like well like if you take if you don't allow Kobe to take him down like <laughs> Masvidal is going to win the fight and he's the better fighter and I'm like okay well there's a lot to unpack there but yes I, I don't dispute that if you can't take somebody down and wrestle them and it's only like boxing or kickboxing not MMA what you're talking about is not MMA right. if it's only boxing or kickboxing yeah I'm not arguing that Masvidal isn't going to win a fight like that but once again to call him the better fighter is not accurate because guess what in a real fight almost every fight I've ever seen in my life from the time I was like five or six years old through high school through like my tw every fight I've ever seen ends up on the ground at some point mm. like I've never seen a fight that's just like in a boxing ring, right? Where guys just kind of stand and, and trade punches and, you know, jab and, and counter. Like every fight I've ever seen has some of that, but it always ends up on the ground. Every single time in a real fight, the ground is a big part of the fighting world and Colby Covington excels there. So the better fighter won the fight. Right. I, I don't think there's any disputing that Colby Covington is the better fighter. When you actually just like Look at their their individual skill sets, and you see like how well Kobe can mix it up, mix up this game. Um, he can strike. I mean, he doesn't have uh, power, but he he's he's landing some, some sneaky shots. Like I felt like he was hurting Jorge a few times. He hurt Kamaru a few times. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, Woodley, Robbie Lawler. Like he's not afraid to stand and trade with these guys, but he knows what his path to victory is, and it's um and it's with the uh, it's with the wrestling, and then just with his pace, man. Like when you put all that together. Kobe Covington is clearly the better fighter. I mean, Masvidal, yeah. you can tell, like, he's got, there's talent there. He's very, very skilled. Uh, he's been doing this a long time. He's, uh, the, the kicks are fast, the punches, he's, he's powerful. But uh, when it comes to wrestling, man, with, uh, I'm not going to say he's bad. I mean, I feel like Jorge's okay, but it's just yeah. like, Kobe's just great at it. And, and Jorge is, is just okay. Right. There's just a, there's a, just a giant difference in the level of that specific part of MMA. And it's where right. Colby's at his very best. Like, that's the thing. It's not like Colby's just okay at it and, and Jorge's like a couple levels below. It's literally what Colby's best at and Jorge's a couple <laughs> levels below. So it's that's why we said last week, like, it's a stylistic nightmare for Masvidal. And, uh, like, I, I think, just to close the book on this and get off the soapbox for a minute, um, like, where I think people confuse all of this is Jorge, you could, like, if you want to tell me Jorge Masvidal's the more entertaining fighter, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm in on that. Like, I agree. Is, is, there, is there, like, the bigger opportunity for, like, the highlight with Jorge Masvidal for the, like, the big moments within a fight with Jorge Masvidal? Of course there is. Like, but you're confusing the entertainment value with the skill level and how good you really are. And just because Jorge Masvidal might be more fun to watch, more entertaining, and deliver the, the big highlights doesn't make him the better fighter. And, and again, Absolutely. this is MMA, not boxing, 
not kickboxing. It's MMA. Absolutely. Mixed last martial arts. This, last thing on this. I did want to get your thoughts. What do you think uh, is next? Where do you think these guys should go uh, from here? Both these guys. Masvidal is interesting um, because, like, I don't think he's one of the elite welterweights. And I, I, I didn't think he was one of the elite welterweights before this fight. But right. I think he's a major draw. I mean, it's the Conor McGregor situation, right? Like, Masvidal is the welterweight version of Conor McGregor. Like, he's a, he's a really good fighter. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's, like, on the same level as the elite guys in that weight class. But he can sell pay-per-view main events. So, uh, whether it's, uh, I mean, if you Conor, the Conor McGregor fight would be awesome. Conor Masvidal, sign me up. That might be the biggest, that might be the biggest fight in the history of the UFC if you're able to put that together. Um, I don't know that I'm, like, super crazy about, like, a Nate Diaz fight for Masvidal. I mean, I, that doesn't do a lot for me, but it would sell, right? Like, if, right. if they just wanted to make a bunch of money, Masvidal Nate Diaz is going to sell a ton. Um, you know, within that division, like, would you go, like, Masvidal Wonderboy? I think that'd be a stylistically, you know, more visually pleasing fight for a lot of the fan base than than what we just watched. But, um, yeah, I just, I like, there are there are some guys in that division that need opportunities to kind of make a run at, at that that title, and... I, Masvidal's not one of them, and I don't necessarily want him being the guy that's that's holding the path up for a number of those guys. So, um, as far as Colby goes, I don't have the appetite for Usman Colby three yet. Like, is that out there? Of course it is. I I I'm not there yet. I say give him the winner of Gilbert Burns and uh, and Hamza Chimaev, and then if Colby beats Chimaev, then send him right back to Usman. If Chimaev wins. And send Shemaev up the ladder. I, I I don't think Kamar Usman wants any part of Hamza Shemaev. If I'm being honest, I think Hamza Shemaev. If if it, this isn't like a stall thing that takes him three years to get a title shot, is going to be a champion at 170. So um, I mean, I would love to see Shemaev beat. If he does beat Gilbert Burns, I would love to see him get the the title shot immediately after a Gilbert Burns fight. Usman this week said that he thinks that despite the Burns fight, he would need to do more in Usman's mind to deserve a title shot. Colby Covington. I don't know if you saw this. I mean, look at, we just had the conversation about um, Islam and RDA and who they beat within their division as far as the ranked guys. Colby Covington's not beating anybody in the, in the 170 division that's currently ranked in the top 15. Right. Does he have any, right. does he have any wins? I don't think he has any wins over, over somebody in the current top 15. Uh, he's Other beat, than, Ma I mean, uh, Masvidal, obviously, but. He's fought Usman twice. Before that, it was uh, Woodley. It was RDA. It was Robbie. Yeah. Uh, it was done. It was a uh, uh, Damian Maya. Yeah. None so of those guys are in the. It. None of those guys are currently welterweight ranked fighters. Yeah. And I, I guess that makes you wonder, like, is is Kobe really the number two guy? Because you know, I, I feel like we've we've seen like during the pandemic, especially when they were trying to get guys to come in and, and fight on short notice and stuff. Like, Kobe had opportunities to fight Leon Edwards. He had opportunities yeah. to fight Gilbert Burns, but he always ask for a huge buttload of money and then he would be like well the ufc isn't gonna pay me and then dan is like well you're asking for a truckload of money like we're not gonna give you that just to come in and, and fight these guys so kobe's playing this well um he called out dustin you know i don't feel like that's really a fight that i would want to see no. uh but like the same thing would happen and i think he knows that he knows he's got an advantage over dustin uh, i want to see him fight some of these guys in the top 15 because like there's a lot of fresh good matchups out there for him. But I think at this point, he's not really chasing the title. I think he's just chasing money and wins, uh, easy wins, which, wins. I mean, that's like, that's like a fighter's dream, you know, to be able to have a main event like he had it with Jorge 
and to uh, get paid and, and, and get an easy win. But <clears throat> I don't think we'll see Kobe Covington fight the winner of, of Gilbert and Hamza. I think that's the fight that should happen. But I don't think Kobe uh, wants that. I don't. I don't think that's where he's at right now. I think Kobe wants to wants these easy fights that make money. And as far as Masvidal, I don't think there's any other way for him to go because he's not a welterweight content. Like he's a welterweight contender, but I don't think he's trying to fight these guys to work his way up. I think he's trying to fight money fights. So I think he's in the same boat as Conor McGregor. So uh, let Conor heal up. Let Jorge take some time and let that be the main event at, at uh, MSG. Makes. All the sense in the world. Dude, I'm in. I, I would love that fight. And and th- this fight, I mean, they both know what, what each other does. Like, it's just going to be a striker's delight. Like, there's going to be no wrestling. Uh, there's, as Masvidal say, crotch uh, sniffers or whatever. Um, there's not going to be anybody <laughs> diving at their leg. Like, they can just go out there, yeah. kick, punch, just go out there and have fun. I think that's – the build will be fun. Uh, I, you know, outside of Conor, Masvidal's the biggest draw in the sport. So – or. You know, I think him and Nate are kind of neck and neck, but uh, outside of Connor, it's a, it's another big draw. So big draw versus big draw. Let's see it. Connor, Nate, Masvidal. I mean, Connor's number one. I think Masvidal, Nate. You can make the argument for which which guy probably draws better uh, after Connor. But yeah, I mean, like the majority of the fan base stylistically is going to love that fight because those two guys are going to deliver what most people enjoy watching, right? It's going to be a stand-up war. Both guys are absolutely capable of the highlight finish. Uh, both guys are, are characters and know how to sell the fight. Like, the build-up to it is going to be sensational. The highlight package that they're going to put together to promo that thing yeah. between Conor McGregor's finishes and Jorge Masvidal's finishes is going to be all-time great. Yeah, it's, it's going to be... It would be the biggest fight, I think, in UFC history, despite neither guy, I think, being an elite-level guy in, in either one of their divisions. I don't know where it would take place. I don't know if it's 170 or if you do it at a catch weight. Um, you know, that, that that stuff, I think, is easily workable if you're the UFC. And, and I mean, is anybody going to give a shit if they fight at 165 or 160? No, no. or Like, nobody... Literally, no, no, nobody is going to complain about a catch weight main event for, for those two guys. So, it makes all the sense in the world. As far as Colby goes... Um, like, the Masvidal fight was a great matchup for him. Like, we talked yeah. about it. It's a great matchup for him. And, look, is Masvidal at his peak? Like, do you think he's at his peak? Oh, no. No, I, I don't either. Woodley was way past his peak. Absolutely. Like, I like that to me was, wasn't even, again, like, zero part of me entertained that Woodley was going to beat Colby in that fight. Robbie Lawler wasn't close to his peak. No. RDA wasn't close to his peak and since has gone back to lightweight. Mm-hmm. Damian Maya, probably the one that was closest of his yeah. last five wins to his peak, but I feel he wasn't at his peak. Right. That's the last five wins for Colby Covington. Those are great names on the resume, by the way. I mean, yeah. great names on the resume. But literally, not one of those guys was on the right side of the best part of his fighting career when Colby beat him. And again, for most of them, it's also a pretty stylistically advantageous matchup. I hate the Poirier fight. The Poirier fight is going to look exactly like the Masvidal fight did, if not worse. Right. Like it's and and the fans aren't going to like it. Like if you if you out there watched Colby Masvidal and hated it, you're gonna hate Colby and Dustin Poirier. Like you're not going to enjoy watching that fight. It's going to be the exact same thing. Only maybe Colby finishes Dustin, like on the yeah. ground. Yeah, uh, and Colby Colby knows that. Colby's a businessman. He knows uh, that that this, that this Dustin fight is going to make him a lot of money. He's gonna sell like you. You saw in the in the post fight interview how he was bringing up his his, his wife and his kids and all that. You know, I, I think that's a little too low, but uh, he's trying to get he's trying to get Dustin to take the fight, and you know that'll be the starter to to, to sell it. Uh, I mean, let me just say like 
you can talk about the, the guy all you want, but when it comes to like wife and kids, religion, yeah. like let's Agreed. let's leave that out, man. Agreed. But but you know, anyway, you know, Kobe and Dustin, we know how that fight would play out. Kobe knows how it would play out. That's why he wants it. He knows it would be a main event. It would be a big time fight that that uh, the UFC would be able to sell. And uh, but Dustin's nah, man, not it, taking it, that fight either. Like Dustin's not. Yeah, Dustin's that. not taking that fight. Uh, yeah, I, I think Kobe just he's just being a businessman. But uh, I, I, if it's not Dustin, man, and he's really not trying to fight a guy who's just a, a contender. I don't know where Kobe Covington goes from here, man. Yeah. I, I really don't. He doesn't want. I guarantee he doesn't want Chimaev, man. I, I can no. tell you that he does. He wants no part of Chimaev. I don't think he wants no part of Chimaev. I don't think he wants any parts of Leon Edwards. I don't think he wants any parts of. He might. He might would fight Gilbert Burns, but I, I don't think, think he'd he fight Gilbert fight. Burns. I think that's a good yeah. matchup for him. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd fight Gilbert, uh, but uh, who else is in the is in the top? I'd like, like to. I think he would fight Leon, honestly, because I, I think that's also a good matchup for him. I don't think he'd fight Luke. Oh no! Yeah, I think Luke is problematic for Colby. Yeah, like Luke and like Bilal and all those guys. Like uh, they don't have a big enough name for Colby. I think Colby's right. trying to fight these guys who've got some some names attached to them. And I think I, I, I wanted to say this before we end. I think Usman's thing with 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 Chimaev, I don't think there's enough out there on Chimaev. Like I think Usman is trying to get him to fight more fights so that we can see more of. Like more of him fighting, facing adversity, so that like there's more yeah. out there for Usman to go off on. Because if, if if there's like nothing for Usman to go off on, there's just there's two punches that's been landed on on uh on Jemayev. and then there's four. I don't know if it's four or five, four or five wins of just complete and utter dominance. So if I'm Usman, I'm like, man, this guy, you know, he does seem a little dominant. You know, what am I gonna do with him? I need to see more of him. I need to see how Gilbert fights him. I need to see how Kobe fights him. And then Kamara will be like, okay, I know what I can do with him now. But for now, I think the book is still out there on I, Dude, I could be completely wrong, but if Kamara Usman and Hamza Chemaev were fighting next month on the main event of the next pay-per-view card, and it's time to make our picks, I'm picking Chemaev, man. <laughs> it would be really hard for me to make a pick on that fight because I would be in the same camp as Usman. The, the book is still out there on him, but I would respect the pound-for-pound the pound best fighter in the world, but you just see, like, Hamza's a problem at the same time. So I don't know. That'll be tough. Hit, dude, I'm just like, we see a lot of these guys that have terrific ground games now. And look, Kamaru is one of them, right? Like right. Hamzad is in that Habib Islam level though. Like yeah. you can there, he's different, man. You can just see it. There is another level there that I just think is in that division. I don't, I don't nobody's stopping him in my mind. I mean, unless like this thing gets drawn out and he just, you know, has to wait a long time and you know by the time he finally gets there like he's not at the same level he's at now but i mean if that fight happened next month i'm telling you right now i'm picking jemaev to win the fight <laughs> I, I mean I, I wouldn't even i wouldn't even be like oh my gosh you're crazy or anything like that because yeah. at this point we haven't seen anybody that can stop him so i mean who's to say that he doesn't do it to Usman what he did to uh, lee jingliang yeah what, i mean it, it was that dominant what would he have to do against gilbert burns to immediately get a title shot would have to be like a first round finish, and and then we're like, okay, yeah. That's say he did the, say he did the same thing that he's done. Like if he completely, I mean, what he did to Lee Jingliang was good, was great. But like, say like those first few fights where he completely dominates the guy for a round and then submits him like towards the end. Like if he dominates Gilbert Burns and all ass all facets of the game, and then submits him, submits the guy who is the the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt who. Nobody wants to ever see in a jujitsu match. If he smits him, I think it's just, I don't think there's any other way to go besides a title shot. Yeah. Unless Kobe just said, I want him. I want to fight him. 
But if if not, then you have to give Hamza the title shot. Kobe's not fighting him. Kobe's not fighting him. I agree. So it looks like we, if that happens, we'll, we'll see Usman and Chimaev sooner rather than later. But I kind of think Usman's going to try to beat Leon, try to go fight Canelo. Canelo, yeah. Yeah, and he he might retire, man. I, I know. I I, 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 I don't think I, we're going to see Usman and Chimaev. I don't think we're going to see it. That's why when we made our picks about champions, I was like, Usman might retire instead yeah. of fight Hamza uh, Shemaev. That's why I'm saying I would pick Shemaev to win that fight tomorrow. I I, I don't think we're going to see it. I, I'm being honest. Like, if you made me bet my money right now on whether we ever see Usman and Shemaev fight, I'm, I'm betting no. He's he's the only guy out there that's ever made, like, Usman, like, Israel Adesanya, like, if if there was a guy that was coming up and they were like, oh, I'm I'm gonna fight Usman, I'm gonna whoop his ass. Like these guys would be like, whatever, you know, yeah. they'll kind of brush it off. But I feel like they are really respecting Hamza and just being like, I feel like he he he's good. Don't get me don't get me wrong, he's good, but I feel like he has to do a little bit yeah. more. Yeah, Hamza's the only guy that's ever done that. I feel like there's something there's there's something here with this guy. Give me Chemayev Usman this summer, and then in December. Give me Chemayev Israel Adesanya. I need it, I, Will. I need it. I'll tell you what. If he beats Usman in the fa- in the fashion, if he beats Usman like he beats everyone else, I don't know. I, I would kind of be like, oh, Izzy, man. I know Izzy's big and everything, but I don't know, man. That would be that would be a pretty crazy fight. Yeah, yeah. I need it. Give it. I, I, Usman Izzy. For Chimaev in 2022. I don't want to wait. Is, I want it now. Is it safe to say Hamza Chimaev is your favorite fighter now? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he's my favorite. I just like I just think the guy is on another level. Like I just think he's world class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, agreed, man. Yeah. I mean, of course, I'm one of those guys who wants to see him fight a guy towards the top of the division. But I, I think Gilbert Burns is a really good matchup for him because I think Gilbert is is on the smaller side of these welterweights. I mean, he blows up, of course, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's anything that uh, that Hamza hasn't seen before. I think Hamza is, has has wrestled guys uh, much bigger than Gilbert Burns. It will be on fight day. So, dude, Hamza's uh, fought at one eighty five, and as Colby Covington yeah. says, Dilbert Burns is a lightweight. Yes, <laughs> like absolutely I, 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 a lightweight. That, that's what that's where my mind is. I think Shemaev's going to mow through him. Honestly, like I, I that's, yeah, that's where my mind is. Yeah, I mean the the jujitsu part of this uh, makes it a little interesting, but. I, I'm with you. I, I'm of the mindset that Hamza to middleweight, basically fighting Gilbert Burns, who is a, a just a blown up lightweight. Yeah, and I like Gilbert Burns. I, I yeah, he's another guy that I really love watching, and I, I think is incredibly gifted. I just think again, like this, a, a lot of this sport is matchups, right? It's yeah. it's not necessarily like me feeling like you're not good if I if in, in something like that. It's just like I think that's a matchup nightmare for Gilbert Burns. So yeah. Um. All right. So uh. Oh yes. Yeah, let me just hit this real quick. I don't, I don't remember. I, I was scrolling through Twitter, and I just saw the graphic. I didn't even see who said it or anything. I just saw uh, somebody say something along the lines of Usman KOs Canelo in like two rounds or something ridiculous like that. His, uh, his manager said that. Ali, uh, I don't know how to say oh, that. Oh, is that who? Okay. Yeah, he, he said uh, Usman will KO Canelo in, in three rounds. And, I mean, of course, nobody really listens to that anyway, but it's just like, bro, come on now. Like, let's... At least try to be realistic. Like they're trying to bait Canelo, of course, but it's just like, come on, man, do something else outside of that. Like that's <laughs> that's just that's just idiotic talk right there, man. Come on now. Canelo's winning that fight, and it's not going to a decision. Absolutely. I mean, Usman's <laughs> good, but like his legs. I mean, his movement. I feel like Canelo's 
considerably faster. Uh, I think I think Usman's just trying to make a big payday yeah. before he retires. Good for that's, him. That's, Good that's, for him. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Good, great for him. And he he's going after the the guy, the, the the best fighter in the in the sport, the guy who makes the the most money in the sport. And if he goes out there and he just makes a tenth or a twentieth of what Canelo's going to make on that fight, Kamara will be set for life. I, I think if he goes out there and fights Canelo, we'll never see Kamara again. <laughs> yeah. No, no matter what happens, he'll be like, I got my money. That's what I wanted. I'm good now. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man. So uh, UFC 272, we picked six fights. Uh, following my uh, one for five performance a week ago, I went six for six on Saturday. You went five for six. The only fight we disagreed on was the Bryce Mitchell Edson Barboza fight. Gives me three points. Uh, you have a one point lead going into this Tiago Santos, Magomed, Ankalaev main event of this fight night card six fights on the main card this card is awesome by the way i love this card from start to finish dude your girl miranda maverick is like the third fight i think on the card yeah and it's a really solid fight against sabina mazo man yeah. I, mean, I know miranda maverick has uh slipped a, f- a few fights but this is this is a big fight yeah yeah um chris matino who we saw sean o'malley just pummel uh, and we were all praising Matino's toughness um, last year uh, is finally back in action. Um, Tafan and Chukwe starts us off like this is this is a really fun fight card. And uh, the main card, like I said, six fights, um, every single one of them, I, I think, is uh, extremely interesting. So we started the middleweight division. We have Alex Pajeda and Bruno Silva, which we talked about this, I think, when we initially heard this fight being made. What an awesome matchup stylistically. I can't wait to watch this fight tonight. Oddshark.com has Pajeda at a, at, a, at a minus 180 favorite, plus 150 for Bruno Silva. Man, like you said, I love this card. When when I looked at this card for the first time and I saw from top to bottom, uh, this main card is as good of a main card that we've seen uh, since the UFC, like we've entered this pandemic. I mean, this main card is absolutely phenomenal. Um as far as his first fight goes, man, I, I, I'm really high on Alex Pajeda, man. Uh, I, I'm, my pick's going to go with him. Like, when you see him, like, he is all of, like, six foot five, knows how to manage distance. He's got a left hand from hell. His kicks are crazy. Bruno, I know Bruno Silva just knocked out someone, and he could win this fight by knockout. But I think Alex Pajeda, we're going to see the skill that he possesses in this division. And uh, I think he's going to get this win, man. Uh, Bruno Silva fought three times in 2021. He finished Wellington Terman, Andrew Sanchez, and Jordan Wright. Um, Jordan Wright and Wellington Terman were both round one finishes, round three finish against Andrew Sanchez. Yeah, Bruno Silva uh, absolutely has the path of victory with one shot, but I'm with you, man. I think uh, Alex Pajeda is uh, getting the fast track to the top of this division. This will be a massive win and most likely give him a ranked fighter in his next uh Next time in the octagon, um, I, I just think all the way around, like for as much as Bruno Silva has a path to victory here with the big shot, um, Alex Bejeda to me is just uh, on another level. And I think we're all like somewhat like fingers crossed that we get to see the MMA version of, of Bejeda, uh, Israel Adesanya at some point. And I think uh, now that he got that that one stylistic win the last time out that, that he probably needed, um, he's probably going to be given several opportunities against guys like Bruno Silva where he can get a lot of fanfare, fight an exciting style of fight, and and get that fast track to maybe having that opportunity. Alex Pajeda for me as well. Um, oh, by the way, I was going to say of this main card. Like, this main card is so good that if you gave me the option to watch this main card or the first pay-per-view main <laughs> card of 2022, I'm picking this one. So, 
absolutely. I'm with you. That's both I a testament you. to how good this card is, and once again, a massive shot at the UFC for what they did to Francis Ngannou to start 2022. Absolutely. All right, the, uh, the second fight of this main card. I love this matchup. This matchup is awesome. Lightweights Drew Dober and Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney, incredible UFC debut with his, what, like, 10-second knockout. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's a great story. He knocks the guy out in 10 seconds. He's a wrestler by nature. We got to see the ground game uh, just a few weeks ago. He's taking this fight on short notice. I, I love this matchup. Uh, Drew Dober was a top 15 lightweight, I think, last year. Uh, he's he's on a bit of a losing streak, but I, I still think is a dangerous guy. In fact, oddshark.com is Drew Dober as the minus 160 favorite, plus 130 for Terrence McKinney on short notice. Man, I tell you what, if this fight wasn't um, on short notice, I kind of would feel a lot better um, about the McKinney side of this. But uh, since, you know, it, it is short notice <clears throat> and you still got to give Drew Dober the credit. You know, he was a top 15 lightweight and this division is so loaded. I mean, he's very skilled, but, you know, he's on the outside looking in because this division is so loaded. But I, 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 I say this about Terrence McKinney, man. I'm a believer of this guy, man. But my only question is, is this too big of a jump from his UFC debut in the in the fight we just saw? Um, is this too big of a jump? But I think these are the opportunities that you have to take to really put yourself in that discussion early. Um, as far as my pick, man, this one's, this one's tough. I've been going back and forth on this one because it all boils down to how I feel um, McKinney will do on short notice. Because um, I'm, I'm really high on him, man. Uh, I, think he's, I think he's really got something. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and take Terrence McKinney, man. I, I love his story, man. Like this is a guy who, who who died twice, who was tased by police, died in the in the hospital. You know, put his head through. Uh, you know, it's a whole story. Yeah. But <laughs> he survived all that. He's he's uh he's a wrestler by nature, like you said. Uh, he's got the striking to back it up, man. Uh, I think he's got a, a strong belief in himself and confidence. Um, I think McKinney's gonna get this done, man. So Drew Dober had three straight uh, wins, finish wins, that got him a number next to his name. He's on a two-fight lose streak. But look, one of those was Islam Mahashev, which, uh, I mean, everybody right. that's been in front of Islam has has also suffered an L. Uh, he had the war against Brad Riddell, which was a really fun fight. Uh, and yeah, I, like it's, it's not like because he no longer has a number next to his name, this guy's a pushover. Um, I'm going Terrence McKinney as well, um, even though it is on short notice. I, I just think there is... You know when you watch somebody and there's just that it factor? Like, I think Drew Dober is really good. And this is an awesome opportunity for Terrence McKinney to also get the fast track and and probably get a ranked fighter next at 155 if he wins this. Um, I think stylistically, it's a good matchup, right, in in terms of what Drew Dober does and what Terrence, the little bit that we've seen of Terrence McKinney, what he does. Uh, But yeah, I just, like, I look at Terrence McKinney and, like like, I kind of preached with Hamzat, like, there's just something there that you feel like kind of separates him. I'm not trying to say that he's a future champ like I did with Hamzat, but I think in terms of this matchup with Drew Dober, I feel like uh, it is Terrence McKinney for me. So um, the Terrence McKinney story is going to also be pretty incredible to see like how this plays out if he does get this win and what happens next at 155. Because again, there's a bunch of fighters at 155 that deserve big opportunities, uh, but I would imagine that he gets a uh, ranked lightweight with a win over Drew Dober. So Terrence McKinney for me as well. Fight number three on this main card takes us to the lightweight division. It is Khalil Rountree and Carl Roberson. Oddshark.com has Roberson as the minus 130 favorite, plus 100 for Rountree. Uh, probably will on this card, the the fight that I struggled with the most in terms of picking a winner. 
Yeah, man, this fight, this fight kind of reminds me of um, Razak Alhassan and uh, watching Buckley. I was going to say that. I was, yeah, was, was going to say that. Yeah. It's like both these, like, it's, it's hard to, to really, like, know, like, what guy you're going to get out of both of these guys. But you can see that there's tons of potential with both of them. It's just like on some nights you see it, and then on some nights you're like, what the fuck was that? Um, when I look at this fight, man, I feel like it's close. I feel like Carl Roberson can um, can take him down, and uh, I think he can mix it up well. But uh, I think the difference maker for me is if we see this Khalil Roundtree come out, I think the power uh, that we and everything that he does, when it, if it's leg kicks, body kicks, punches, I think the power difference uh, and the size difference for me is what's gonna uh, is what's gonna be the difference here. So uh, I'm not. Uh, overly confident in this, but my pick's going to be Khalil Roundtree. I think he should win this fight, but I don't know what guy we're going to see. Yeah, I uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was literally going to say um, just copy and paste everything that I said about Abdul Razak Al Hassan and Joaquin <laughs> Buckley for this fight because it's it's two guys that we just it kind of feels like roller coasters, right? Like we've seen um, really bright spots. And then it feels like every time you kind of say like, okay, we saw a bright spot, like let's see you put another one together. Then it like bottoms out and you're like, what was that? Uh, so much, I think, inconsistency with both of these guys. But both guys are certainly capable of of doing special things. Um, yeah, it's like do you, Roundtree, the power, but like probably the the more all-around skill set to Ro uh, Roberson. Um, I was slightly leaning toward Roberson, but I was, I was somewhat... Like, I wasn't dead set on either side of this, and part of me just thought, maybe I'll go opposite you. The fact that I was slightly leaning Roberson anyway, and you go Roundtree, pretty much cements it. So I'm going to go opposite uh, Carl Roberson for me in this uh, lightweight matchup between two guys that uh, I don't know what we're going to... No idea what we're going to see, but hopefully uh, it's both guys having a special performance at the same time, and it creates fireworks. Well, let me just say this one thing. This is a, a light heavyweight matchup. Uh, I, and also... When I see this matchup, Khalil Roundtree can make heavyweight. And oh, Carl he's Robertson, a big dude. Big dude. Yeah. And Carl Roberson is a he he kind of goes back and forth from 85 to 205. I feel right. like he kind of there's like a, if it was like a 195, that'd be the perfect division for him. But he fights at 185. He's lost to Vittori and Brendan Allen. And maybe the weight cut is affecting him. But I kind of see this as like a a heavyweight versus a middleweight kind of. <laughs> yeah. So it makes you feel a little better about my uh, Khalil Roundtree pick, but who knows what, what, what guys will see on fight day. You know what I kind of thought? Um, the reason why I felt like maybe Roundtree was interesting here, it's kind of the the Jared Cannonier Derek Brunson thing where, like, you feel like there's there's a path for Roberson to, to get him down and do all that, but is Roundtree just too big? for for that to be a big factor right like that that was part of the equation for me um in terms of just throwing out another fight that we've seen recently where like Cannonier was just so big it didn't matter right Brunson couldn't do anything with him because <laughs> Cannonier's too damn big uh that right. might be the case here as well even if Roberson is able to get him down like Roundtree might just be too too big and strong to to yeah. be like manhandled so that to me is a really probably the most fascinating part of this fight absolutely uh I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out but uh, I don't see it going well for Carl Robertson, I'll be honest. <laughs> All right, um, fight number four on this main card takes us to the featherweight division. Alex Casares and Sadiq Youssef. Um, again, I mean, awesome matchup. Uh, right. Really interesting matchup. Uh, Youssef is a minus 250 favorite, plus 200 for Casares. Now, look, I think Alex Casares is really good. Like, I, I picked him in that fight against uh, 
forget the guy's name, but uh, Sungwoo uh, Choi. Sungwoo Choi, who just had he had just had that big knockout. Yep. And I picked Caceres because you know I feel like you know the skill. He's very very skilled. Uh, but when I look at this matchup, I just feel like Sadiq Youssef. Um, he's he's on the cusp of being uh, a contender. Uh, I think he just needs a few a few wins. Like I think his last loss was against Arnold Allen, and I don't think that's that's not anything to hang your head about. Because that was Arnold a good Allen fight too, a, by the way. Yeah, very, very good fight. It was a fight that Sadiq could have won, but I think it uh, it showed one of his weaknesses, and I think it's his gas tank. So when I look at this fight, I think if if Alex Caceres can drag him into the deep waters, I know it's only a three round fight, but if Alex Caceres can get him tired, then uh, he would have a better chance. But I think skill for skill, and and power wise. I think Sadiq Youssef is the better guy. So uh, if it, I think it's going to be Youssef, man. Unless uh, Caceres can can drain him, but I just don't see it. I, I think it'll be uh, Sadiq Youssef for me. Yeah, I I think that uh, that Arnold Allen fight was also just like um, like a good like educational type fight for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think right. he's gonna he's gonna be a better fighter because of that fight, and especially because he didn't get the decision right. So you have to kind of like go back and reevaluate things and. You know, that was a fight that like I watched it and I like throughout that fight, I was like, he could win this. But obviously there's a lot that you can take away and improve on within that fight as well. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm Sadiq Yusuf as well. Um, I just think he's on a different level. And uh, I think, you know, he bounces back in a big way after uh, the Arnold Allen fight, which was just April of last year. So um, it's been a while for Sadiq Yusuf outside the octagon. All right. Co-main event is... Bantamweights Marlon Marais and Song Yedong. Again, like, holy cow. <laughs> right. Minus 260 for Song Yedong, plus 200 for Marlon Marais, who, uh, Will, I've seen multiple people uh, tweet over the course of this week, potentially fighting for his UFC career here? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like he's probably one of those guys who's making a lot of money, but um, his performances lately have just not... Uh, resulted in anything special i mean to be quite honest with you i know he got the win against jose aldo but that should have been a loss Agreed. so he's i think he's on a five fight losing streak and he very well could be uh fighting for his job uh with the ufc but i will say with this matchup um this is a matchup that kind of favors what he does i think uh song Yidong, out of everyone that he's fought uh this is a stylistically a great matchup because you know they they'll both like exchange leg kicks and they're both um they're they're power punchers and everything you know it, it might be safe to say that song yedong is a is a younger version of marlon Marais, just a more skilled version uh and you you know his gas tank hasn't failed him um that we've seen but uh you know, when it comes to this matchup man uh, i think marlon Marais could very well win this fight but it's just what marlon Marais are we going to see um since that Henry Cejudo fight, man, we just haven't really, I don't think he's figured it out. What type of guy am I going to be? Um, when he when he, he kind of labors back and, and tries to be patient, guys like Rob Font and Corey Sandhagen hurt him and knock him out. But when he tries to blitz and, and go forward and, and, and try to go all out, Henry Cejudo and, uh, and uh, who's the guy he just lost to? Uh, Marab will, will drain him. That so, fight was bananas yeah by the way. <laughs> that fight was bananas it, it was a fight that marlon Marais almost got the yeah. job done and i know he's like fuck man like i almost had him and but you know it, it completely took everything out of him after that after that flurry so i don't know what what marlon Marais we're going to see but i know what song Yidong we're going to see and i think at this point man with all the questions surrounding marlon Marais, i just 
for me, there's too many questions. I'm gonna go Songy Dong here, but uh, I'm not confident in it. But I, I just don't know what Marlon Morris we're gonna see. Yeah, the uh, the numbers here to me are surprising. Like uh, yeah, to yeah. see it this I, lopsided is is interesting to me. I mean, Marlon Morris, like one part of me is like, yeah, you could like I'm with you. I thought that uh, I thought Aldo won that fight. I, I didn't think that that was a Morris victory, and and the UFC obviously thought Aldo won that fight because he got the title um, shot. The title shot following the loss to Marais. So uh, the UFC was like, yeah, we think Aldo won as well. Um, so from that perspective, you're right. It's five straight losses. Four of the five of those, Will, are are Marlon Marais getting finished, right? Um, so part of me is like five-fight losing streak. He's now been finished in three straight fights. At the same time, like, it was Marab. It was Rob Font. Yeah. It was Corey yeah. Sanhagen. It's Aldo, and it's Cejudo. Like, I like Song Yadong a lot, but he to me he's not on that the same level as the last five guys that Marlon Marais has fought. So that's that's part of the equation. And then I think like when I think about who Marlon Marais is as a fighter right now, like the Marab fight is the perfect like encapsulation of Marlon Marais, right? Like that first round was so crazy, and you see all the like gifts that Marlon Marais has and the ability to like win the fight and do spectacular things. But then you also see how like it can turn on a dime and completely go the other way. And, you know, you can get he can get hurt bad with one shot and the gas tank can empty quickly. Like there's just so many variables to me with Marlon Marais. Like I, I think sometimes we look at these fights and we're like, OK, what like who has more pass to victory? And like we try and limit like the variables from either fighter and, and like feel like, OK, I feel like there's more opportunities on this side as opposed to this side. With Marlon Marais, it's like there are variables everywhere. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm, I just I, I feel like part of this for me is just like. Interesting to see what we're going to get from Marlon Marais. Exactly. I, and I'll tell you what, I felt like I knew, like, throughout everything you were saying, I felt like I knew where you were going to go. Then I felt like you changed it, and then you changed it. And I'm like, okay, now I don't know anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going Song Yudong here. Oh, okay. okay. Um, I, I thought at first you were going Marlon, and I was like, well, okay, okay, I like it. But Yeah, no, I'm yeah. going Song Yudong because, like, my whole point to all of that was, like you said, I, I could absolutely see Marlon Marais winning this fight. I don't think the number here the plus uh, 200 and minus yeah. 250. Like, I, I I don't feel like that's representative of my expectation. But, like, in terms of picking a winner, everything I just described, like, there's too many things in the air for me to feel good about the Marlon Marais thing. Like, I just, I, I don't know. Like, at his best, I feel like he's better than Song Yudong, right? Yeah, at 100%. Like, I, I don't yes. even, yeah, at his best, he is. But, like, you might see him at his best for two or three minutes, and then you might see right. him at his worst, and, and, you know, we've seen him get rocked with big shots, and that's the end of the fight. We've seen the gas tank completely empty. So, yeah, there's too many variables for me to pick Marlon Marais confidently, but I do feel like this is a, an awesome fight. Um, I don't feel like the number here is representative of, of my expectation, and uh, it's not with a lot of confidence, but uh, it's just really with, I guess, uh, feeling like there's there's less up in the air, less question marks with Song Yudong than Marlon yeah. Marais in the fight. It, yeah, and it's, you know... It's not about the actual fight per se. Yeah. It's about Marlon's mindset. It's about his confidence. It's about like what Marlon Rice are we gonna see? That's that's all it is. Like yeah. if we had a if we had a better idea about this, like Marlon could easily win this fight and we wouldn't even be surprised. That's why we're like plus two hundred underdog. Like, come yeah. on, man. But at the same time, you think like, okay, Marlon has he's dropped four or five, probably five uh, of you know. So it's just like, what Marlon are we going to see? Are we going to see a guy who's going to go out there and, and charge him? Or are we going to see a guy who's labored back? Up to this point, all of those routes have failed in his last five. So it's just like, what guy is going to go out there against a young, 
hungry prospect in Song Yudong. It's it's very interesting. I, I could see Marlon Marais completely dominating the first five minutes of this fight. But but like Absolutely. in my mind, I then think, what do the next 10 minutes look like? And if I had to guess, like Song Yudong probably wins the next 10 minutes, even if Marlon Marais dominates the first five. Like in my mind, Song Yudong probably wins the next 10 minutes. I also think at any point in this fight, if Marlon Marais gets hit with a big shot, can he recover enough to continue yeah. to make this a competitive fight? Um, again, I think his high level is is better than Song Yudong, and, and if he were to, to finish Song Yudong early in this fight, it wouldn't be shocking to me at all. But um, yeah, you get past the first round to me, it's like heavy favorite for Song Yudong. Um, right. if, if Marlon gets hit with a big shot at any point, like I'm like, I, I, don't, I have no idea how he's going to bounce back. Uh, but if Marlon Rice finished this thing in 45 seconds, that wouldn't shock me uh, whatsoever. So yeah, that, that, that one I, I, was, uh, I was conflicted on. Uh, for all the reasons I just described, just so many variables with Marlon Marais in general. And and again, you know, I, he obviously has heard the, the or I don't know if he's had conversations with the UFC, but I'm sure he's heard at least people talking about like, does another loss result in him no longer being in the UFC? So on the same side of that, like I always preach urgency and how like that becomes a big factor in all sporting events. Like whoever has more urgency to win in terms of like their career or making money or just what, you know, urgency can, can be in a lot of different areas but who has more urgency like I Marlon Rice obviously has more urgency here so that to me is also one of those factors that you can't really like put a, a like a weight on you don't know how much of a factor that's going to be in something like this but I do think it is a a check mark on the pro side of the Marlon Rice uh, conversation all right our main event in the light heavyweight division is Tiago Santos and Magomed Ankalaev Ankalaev is the minus 550 favorite, plus 375 for Tiago Santos. Um, before you make this pick, I saw this tweeted out by Aaron Bronstetter earlier this week, and I thought it was awesome because we've actually had this conversation, I think, at some point last year. Fighters named Magomed all-time in the UFC have a record of 45-8. and eight, Holy shit. Which is... <laughs> An 84.9 winning percentage in the UFC. Wow. There was a point last summer, I remember, we were we were making picks, and there was somebody on the main card that I wasn't familiar with that I'd never seen fight, and I didn't know anything about. But he had Magomed in his name, and I remember literally saying to you, I'm picking the guy who has Magomed in his name because every Magomed I've ever seen fight in the UFC is just a fucking killer. Like, just a savage, and... On name alone, I just feel like this guy knows what he has to bring to the table. Otherwise, he's a disappointment for, for having the name. Uh, so when I saw Aaron Bronstetter tweet this, I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> Fighters named Magomed. All-time in the UFC are 45-8. and eight. That's, that's bananas, that's, dude. That's got to be like the best record of a name <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in UFC history. <laughs> that's got to be, man. 45-8. and eight. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so when I, when I think of this fight, man, look. It's kind of the it's kind of similar to to Marlon Marais with Thiago Santos. Like, what guy are we gonna see? And I kind of think we are very far removed from the guy from the Thiago Santos that knocked out Jan Blakovich, that took John Jones to the limit, that had Glover Teixeira hurt. Beat John Jones. I think we're kind of removed from that. <laughs> I think we're removed from that guy. Um, and I think he's he's been trying to fight more strategically, and I think he's been trying to fight to preserve his gas tank. Um, and then we saw what we saw in the Johnny Walker fight. I mean, I'm not even going to go into that. I mean, look, I, this look you're giving me, man, I can already tell you don't want to get into to the Johnny Walker fight. It was, it was awful. Don't bring up the, the Rockets uh, fight either. I was just about to bring up the Rockets fight because that was awful <laughs> as well. So Santos trying to fight strategically 
and trying to preserve his gas tank, it hasn't worked out well for him. He beat Johnny Walker because Johnny Walker has a lot of working. He has a lot of growing and stuff to do. So Tiago Santos was clearly the better guy. But when it comes to this, I feel like Tiago would benefit more from being the crazy guy that we saw um, on his run to the light heavyweight title fight. Uh, I mean, because if he's trying to fight strategically with Agalayev, Agalayev's going to pick him apart. But if we see that savage that we saw from back then, it might make Magomed, you know, think, you know, it might make him think. Because skill for skill, if they're trying to outpoint each other, this is Ankalaev all day. But if Santos is trying to go out there and, and kill this guy, then we could see a different fight. But, you know, either way, I think Ankalaev with his skill set, I mean, he's no slouch on the feet. He knocked out uh, Iwan Kutalaba on the feet. He landed some, uh, landed some really good strikes with Vulcan Ozdemir. And his wrestling is, uh, is really, really solid for that light heavyweight division. So I think uh, this is definitely a Magomed Akalayev win. So it, they will move to 46 and eight. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see where he goes from here. I think uh, this is a guy who could be light heavyweight champion uh, soon. Um, he's got the skill set. And I think this win will catapult him into that contender status. So Magomed for me. I'm a... Uh... Yeah, I'll talk about this fight in a second. Uncle Live, I'm not sure like where I feel like his ceiling is. I've heard other people say the same thing that you just said in terms of like feeling like he could be a champion. I don't know that I'm there, but I'm I'm not I'm not not there either, right? Like I, I just I, I feel like I just want to see more from him against like some of the elite guys. And part of my frustration here is I don't feel like we're gonna get that. And like Tiago Santos, like I think you know this about like I'm a big Tiago Santos fight. I have been for a long time. Like the Yan win, as you mentioned, was incredible. Like the fight against John Jones, like I'm I'm like Tiago Santos has no knees and he's beating what most people feel like the goat for the majority of that fight. And I think he won a lot of fans. And, you know, that was one of those that like at the end of it, like I, I legitimately think you could make the argument for either guy to win that fight. Um, I don't hate that John Jones won it, I, I, but I wouldn't have hated it if Tiago got the, the decision either. I think it was that close that you could make the argument for either guy. But the Glover to share a fight was awesome. Like, it was incredible. It was like, a, I mean, the, the turns and like that thing had momentum swings and big moments. And it was like, OK, Tiago Santos is back. Right. Like we hadn't seen him after that, the John Jones fight in a while and he had the injuries. And then it's like, all right, Tiago Santos is back. I know he lost the fight, but that was an awesome fight. And credit, you know, Glover Teixeira is obviously the champion for a reason. Um, right. And then Rockich and Johnny Walker happen. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, as a Tiago Santos fan, I guess it's like frustrating because like this guy that I really like and really enjoy watching has laid two duds in a row where I'm just like, not only is it not fun to watch at all, but it just doesn't even feel like it's close to the version of the guy that I was convinced was going to be a light heavyweight champion. Like I, I was right. convinced this guy was going to have the strap around his, his waist and, and he just doesn't even look close to that. And that's why I say like, I don't know if Ankalaev is a title contender. I feel like he's really skilled. Um, I would like to see him against somebody that would give me the impression that he is, but like this fight isn't that for me because I don't, I, Tiago Santos in his last two fights hasn't even shown any signs of being close to the guy that I felt like was a contender either. So um, as it's frustrating for me as somebody that wants to see Tiago Santos uh, return to the guy that he, he was. Um, I'm with you though. I mean, 45 and eight all time for guys named Magomed in the UFC. It is now 46 and eight Magomed uncle live. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we see Tiago Santos return to form. Uh, but my guess is Magomeds across the world are <laughs> celebrating tonight. What is uh, a ridiculous winning percentage. And for those out there, if you ever have to make UFC picks and you see somebody named Magomed on the fight card, 
Like, don't even look at the opponent. Just pick Magomed. Just pick him. Yeah. Just pick him, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would love to see uh, that old Tiago come back, man, because that guy was a savage. I mean, some of those knockouts. I mean, uh, the the knockout of uh, Jenny Manoa, man. That was the yeah. first time that I really looked at Tiago like, wow. And then, of course, Jan Blakovich knocking him out. Uh, I mean, no one really thought that Tiago would be able to make a warrant at the light heavyweight title. But he just kept knocking guy after guy out, man. And it's just crazy to me that we're not seeing this guy now. I mean, I know that when you fight a guy like John Jones, you kind of you, you go back to the drawing board and you're like, OK, I need to work on my gas tank so I can go five rounds. I need to fight more strategically so I can um, so that I can be there when the rounds get late. But don't don't go away from what brought you to the dance. Yeah. Like you like your power. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say he was wild, but like, you need to bring some of that back out, man. Like, you know, bring that savage, that dog. And yeah. I, I feel like we're not seeing that dog in Tiago Santos anymore. No risk, we're, we're right? Seeing- it feels like he's eliminated all the risk from his game, which results in um, him also not like having any sort of uh, positive momentum. Exactly. Like, he's he just... He's so he's content with outpointing people, and that's not the Tiago Santos that we've grown to to know and love. You know, we, we we're we're used to the Tiago Santos that's been, you know, knocking people out, knocking people unconscious. You know, yeah. and even when he's not outpointing people, he's trying to outpoint people that are clearly better than him, and it's not working out for him. And so it's just like, you're you're the thing that brought you to the dance was your power, was your savage that savage you, that dog in you. Bring that back out, man. Yeah. You're gonna need it in this fight with Magomed Akalaya. If you get a chance sometime before we record again, uh, whether that's today or like maybe tomorrow, whatever, go back and watch the Tiago Santos Glover to share a fight. And I, cause I, I feel like after that fight, I, I, I saw people in, in MMA tweeting things along the lines of like, you know, maybe Tiago just doesn't have it. And like, that was a badass fight. And like, sometimes you have badass fights where somebody's going to lose. Like one guy is going to get an L and one guy's going to get a W, but I, like, I didn't watch that fight and think Tiago Santos is done. I watched that fight and I was like, holy shit, that was badass. Either guy could have won. There were big moments for both guys. It had wild momentum swings. Glover Teixeira, who's like a fucking brick out there, was rocked on multiple occasions. And, you know, Glover Teixeira is the best guy on the ground in that entire division. And that's where he won. Like, yeah, Glover Teixeira won. He's, he's the champ now also, by the way. I mean, maybe right. Glover Teixeira wasn't getting the credit at that point either. But, like, I watched that fight. I was like, that was a fucking awesome fight. Both those guys performed admirably. That was incredible. And it was just like, there was a lot of negative, I felt like, with Tiago Santos after that fight. And then the Rockage fight happens, and it was like, you know, in Top Gun, like, he won't engage. And then, like, the Johnny Walker (laughs) fight as well. Like, just kind of, like, all of a sudden, like, maybe because there was so much criticism, uh, like, he just has throttled it down, and it's resulted in, in two not only lackluster fights from an entertainment standpoint, but just like not really fights. Like we're just kind of waiting for something and nothing really happens. So uh, that, that to me is super unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, and as fans who are used to seeing Tiago go out there and just go not crazy, but just go out there and put it all on the line. Uh, it's been very, these performances have been very underwhelming. And, and I can tell for you as a fan of Tiago Santos, like I remember before he made picks on the Glover to share fight, I think we both picked Tiago because yeah. we just at the time we knew how how barbaric that the guy was, and then to come back from it, <laughs> we're like, uh, <laughs> and to come back from that, we're like, um, man, it's cra- it's crazy to see how Tiago's kind of fell off. But 
you know, Glover is, is the champion. You know, I think people had an idea about how Glover was at the time. Yeah. And, you know, Glover wasn't, you know, the champion that he is now. So, you know, people kind of look at Tiago like, ah, oh, he might be done. But now it's even worse. Like, he's losing to Rockage and not even putting up much of a fight. He's losing to, um, what did he just lose to? Uh, he beat Johnny uh, Walker, but it was. Oh, yeah, the fight was a dud. Yeah, was he a beats d- Johnny Walker, but it was, the fight was a dud. Yeah. He just puts out duds, and we're not used to that. Yeah. So, Tiago, bring out that killer that you once were, and 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 that'll be that'll make for a very very interesting fight with uh with a rising prospect in this division. Yeah, no doubt. All right, man. So we are only on the opposite side of uh, Carl Robertson and Khalil Roundtree, correct? Yes. All right. I thought you were gonna go. Do- I thought you were gonna go Dober, by the way, on Dober McKinney, and I, I was like, okay, here I- we go. I thought about it, man, but I, like you said, there's just that something that makes you believe in Terrence McKinney, man. It He's factor, got it. yeah. Yeah, that it factor. Yep. All right, man, this is going to be an awesome fight card. I am going to do everything in my power to make sure, uh, what is it, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock? I've, yeah, I need to look at the time exactly, minutes. but I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure I am uh, in front of the television by the time the uh, first fight is uh, being announced, and I'm going to do my best to take this thing in in its entirety, and then hopefully over the next week also go back and... and uh, catch up on everything that happened uh, before the final three fights of UFC 272. Uh, good stuff, man. That was uh, that was a lot of fun. Had a lot of, of stuff to unpack there between uh, last week's uh, crazy pay-per-view main event that everybody hated and then this uh, loaded fight night card. Yeah, yeah very good stuff. But I, I want before we go, I, w- I want to say this. I have a men's league uh, playoff thing today, and it kind of falls right when this main card happens, oh, right? Oh, nice. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what I'm about to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out there for the first 10 minutes of this game. I am going to go all out and we're going to, we're going to lead by at least 15. That's my, that's, that's what, that's what my heart said. Okay. When that happens, maybe if it, maybe if it doesn't happen, maybe, maybe, maybe we're losing or maybe I am going to make sure that I sub myself out. <laughs> when. <laughs> When when this main card starts, because I am going to watch Alex Pajeda and Bruno Silva. There's yes. no way that I can do that, even if I'm in a men's league playoff. Nice, nice. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that that, just, got to that speaks to the value of not only this main card, but like that fight specifically could be like that's a fight of the night, fight of the month, fight of the year type of uh, like potentially. I'm not saying it will be, but like those guys stylistically could give us something that we're talking about in December as like one of the best fights of the year. Absolutely. So like, and, and I really don't want to miss any of this card, but I feel like I might miss, like, I'm going to have to try to be smart and strategic, yeah. but of course I'm going to want to win this game, but I really want to see this card, man. So we'll see what happens. All right. No, I, no text messages for me. So I will not, uh, in case like you, ha- you, you, uh, get, have to not be able to see or whatever, like I, I won't send you any text messages tonight. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to catch up, uh, with everything next week, but Good luck. Um, hopefully you're up by about 45 in the first 15 minutes and, and none of this is an issue at all. Yeah, hopefully. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there, play great defense, make a few threes. Love it. We should be good from there. All right, buddy. <laughs> all right, that was fun. We'll catch up next week. Will, good luck, man. All right, appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. It is fight day. Big card. Watch it, and we'll talk about it next week.
The podcast is over.